On today's episode of Double Down Trent, the NFL regular season is officially over, but fear not, Double Down Trent is here with NFL picks. But we're not just doing NFL picks, we are going to look back at the season that was. The model, the man, and our very own insider Coulter are all on this episode not only are we going to be previewing the NFL wildcard weekend, but we're also going to look back at some of the preseason team over-unders that we made at the start of the year. We did a bang-up job at predicting team wins. Let me just tell you that. So we're going to look back on it. There's some few head scratchers like the New York Giants. There's a few really good evaluations like the Baltimore Ravens and a lot in between. Then we make our picks this week for the NFL wildcard weekend. We've added a little twist here. You can do an override. So does anyone override someone else's pick? We'll see. Stay tuned for episode 63 of Double Down Trent. Double down Trent, you might want to tune in Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win Pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto Keep it authentic and it's always live So competitive, so you know it's always hype Make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss Going all in here on Double Down Trent Hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go This is Double Down Trent All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your co-host, as always. Once again, I am joined by my co-host, Aaron, a.k.a. The Model. Air, we're into a new year, 2020, new decade. What's going on, man? I am just more happy than anything to have you back at the helm anchoring us through this podcast because last week when we did it just Coulter and I it was rough no man it was not rough it was a good episode but I was on my deathbed it was a near death experience if anyone has a bad back I pray my just worst villains don't ever have to deal with that it is miserable we'd also like to welcome on our very own insider Coulter aka the office football pool pick'em champ how you doing bud I'm doing great, you know, a little bit richer after this uh, football season. So I'll always remember the 2019 uh, NFL year fondly. You know, I won a fantasy football championship, won the office pool. So things are looking up as we head into the postseason. Hopefully, carry the momentum into uh, 2020. Good, good picks. A good year for picks for Coulter. Now, uh, Aaron, the model, you came in third. You won some cash as well. So I guess it was a good, uh, a good year all around. I could not be happier. I first time ever picking NFL games. So I was certainly happy to finish in that number three spot. I was more worried about falling out of it than moving up. So I was happy just to kind of uh, stay as is and earn a little money. Yeah. And uh, to round everything out, a Cazalet came in second, not myself. (laughs) My father came in second. He had quite a season. Uh, Coulter, I just want to put this in perspective for you here because He's been, we both, my dad and I have been in this league for, I want to say about nine or 10 years. It's been going on for 15. My dad went back and did some research. He came in second place this year, obviously to you with 161 correct picks. You had 162 correct in the 15 years of that pool. No one had ever even come close to having 161. So not only did you guys shatter the records, I mean, you just set a whole new bar for picks this year. 
Yeah, you know, I told Aaron last week, you know, the professionals, they aim for 55% in Las Vegas, and I think I was a little bit over 59 heading into the final weekend. So more important than winning the money, honestly, was you just hit the nail on the head. Winning as, as much as I did, the percentage really makes me happy because, you know, I don't think I'm going to move out to Vegas tomorrow. But, you know, to hold your own and bat almost 60% a whole year of NFL picks, it's really something. It's a testament. And I think we talked about on the pod last week. Aaron and I and your dad and you, you too. Uh, I mean, we all were double digit wins throughout December. It was 11, 12, 13 win weeks, week after week after week in December. It was crazy how hot we got there at the, at the very end. And uh, yeah, I'm glad that your dad did that research. Cause I agree, you know, the money was great, but having that, the 60%, I, I think it was a little bit under that uh, to finish out, but it, it was great. Uh, just an awesome year. Yeah, the win totals were outrageous, and I started off shitty, but I started, like you said, I made a charge, too. We were coming down the stretch. I was looking at my picks. I'm thinking, like, all right, I'm going to at least be, if not in the running, but I should be winning this week. And I look at the scoreboard. You're up there with 10, 12 wins. Aaron's up there with 10, 12 wins. My dad's up there. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> yeah, there was no uh, room for error, and I think Aaron said it best. You're, he was afraid to fall out of the top three. For the first time in my life, I finally know how it feels to play at the masters with a lead on Sunday because that's, <laughs> that's how it felt. You know, it's like, I can't, you know, eight and eight is not good enough. You know, just getting par is not good enough. I'm going to have to get a few birdies here. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to have a few in the last week, but there was definitely that fear that if I went eight and eight, uh, some of these heavy hitters like Aaron and your dad would, would overtake me. So yeah, glad I got to the double digits there in the end. Uh, thanks to San Francisco on Sunday night. That was the real key. <laughs> Bold move by you. Uh, we've got a lot to recap. Uh, do we want to put a little bow on the 2019 NFL season before we jump into some of these these, these uh, topics we've got, or should we just jump right in? I think we should just jump right in. There's still a lot of storylines. I mean, Dallas still has Jason Garrett as their head coach as of 4:30 Eastern on Thursday afternoon. Somehow, <laughs> it blows my mind. So we'll start with them. They've now Jerry and Garrett have met now three times. This is a I'm, saga. It's yeah. especially a saga. It's Game of Thrones. Right. Wait, <laughs> what What are you talking about that long without having any kind of resolution? I just don't understand what could be happening in those conversations. You know that I have just the most animosity towards Freddie Kitchens of anybody, but I was kind of doing my rankings of biggest disappointments of this year. And the number two team was in the Super Bowl last year, and that's the L.A. Rams. And number three was the preseason darling of America, the Cleveland Browns. But I think unequivocally, I would argue passionately and adamantly that the Dallas Cowboys were the biggest underachievers this year in the NFL. I really think so. And it's and here's the reason. They had a division that was theirs for the taking. I mean, this was a weak NFC East. Of all the teams that should have won their division, Dallas ranks right up there with uh, with any of them, New England, New Orleans. I mean, this is a team that should have won their division by four games. They had much more talent than anybody else in their division. It's inexcusable that they're not in the postseason. And more, more importantly, a lot of these teams that uh, like the Rams, they had offensive line issues. They had cooks was hurt. The Cowboys are relatively healthy. I mean, I know they had the ill-timed injury with Dak Prescott, but this team was not bitten by the injury bug. Unlike New Orleans, who had to do six games without Drew Brees. Seattle has no running backs. They literally just signed Marshawn Lynch. Minnesota has had injuries to Thielen, Cook, defensive starters. Philadelphia, we're going to get to them later on in this podcast in our pick section. But, I mean, these are teams that are just hammered with injuries. Somehow they're all in the postseason. Dallas is sitting at home with one of the most talented rosters I've ever seen. You've got pro bowlers galore, a great offensive line, 
Van Der Esch, uh, Lawrence Smith. I mean, great defensive players. It's inexcusable that this team is not in the playoffs. Biggest disappointment of the year, Dallas Cowboys. How Garrett's still the coach. I, I, it's just befuddling to me. Yeah, you said that perfectly. There was no real injuries that they were dealing with. They were healthy the entire year. That division was terrible, as we'll get into because I'm the resident Giants fan here. I just, I, I cannot fathom that Garrett still has a job. He's been there long enough. You know exactly what kind of coach he is. This happens, I feel like, every other year they're a disappointment. It's just you got to make the change. And the fact is, if you're looking at that Cowboys you know, coaching staff, they've got a few assistants that are hot coaching assistants. Like they're on the market for getting interviews for head coaching jobs. You got Chris Richard is looking at the Giants or the Giants are, are looking at him. Kellen Moore is an up and coming kind of guy. These, these coaches, you know, if you just wait around and give Garrett an extension, they're not going to be hanging around waiting for Garrett to keep making those mistakes. So I'm with you there as the biggest disappointment, but I'm surprised you didn't give the title to your boy, Freddie Kitchens. I think the expectations were higher in Cleveland, but I think, I think Dallas is less, less uh, excusable for why they're not in the postseason. The Browns is pretty obvious to me. They played in the same division as the best team in football. They obviously underachieved significantly and, and kitchens deserve to be fired, but Dallas should be in the postseason. Whereas Cleveland, there was never a point in the season where I thought this is a must playoff team. They lost by 30 points on opening day to the Titans. That should have been a pretty big alarming indicator to all of us. How did Dallas open the season? They won all three of their first games by plus 20 points. This is a really good looking team in September. Uh, they still are really good looking on paper. I was just looking at their roster. And I, it's just so befuddling to me that they're not in the playoffs. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, so Kitchens is gone. We expected that to happen. Ron Rivera fired earlier in the year. Saw that coming. Our boy Pat Shermer gone as well. Thank the fucking Lord he's out of there. But I'm still not going to let's I'm going to save that for them. Let's first do a little surprises in that. There's two guys that we picked, and I think we actually discussed on this podcast that we're going to get fired. Doug Marone and Dan Quinn are both back. How is that possible? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to me that Atlanta, Detroit, Cincinnati, and Jacksonville all retained their coaches. Atlanta makes the most sense because that team got revived in the last month, and Detroit has the crazy offensive injuries to Stafford, Johnson, uh, Jones, and Hawkinson. I mean, can you name another team that lost four of its key Four of its five key offensive players this year. I think Detroit might be the only one. Um, those make sense that they retain Patricia and Quinn, but I mean, Marone should be gone. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I can't believe <laughs> all four of those teams, Atlanta, Detroit, Cincinnati, and Jacksonville, and I'll add in the Chargers there too, and the Bears, and the Cowboys who we just talked about. That's seven teams who I feel like easily could have made a coaching change. Again, I understand Dallas and Detroit, or, or Atlanta and Detroit, but I mean, at least – three or four of those seven teams should have new coaches, but all seven look like they're keeping their coaches. Now, Mr. Model, if you were to have taken some odds earlier in this year that Doug Marone and Dan Quinn would still have their jobs, I, what would you think? Oh, it's man. crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Definitely more than, uh, I'd say 50% that they'd both be gone by the end of the season. At least I would have, I would have bet uh, minus 20,000. I would have bet on Jason Garrett will be fired by the, by Thursday, January 3rd. I would have taken that bet. I mean, I cannot believe that guy still has a job not to keep harping on it, but yeah, to your point about that parlay, it had to have been astronomical. I mean, during the middle of the year, it looked so obvious. I mean, Quinn could have been fired middle of the year, like Rivera at one yeah. point. I think that was one of the rumors. Yeah. And some, well, what's weird that, about that team, Atlanta seemed like they actually showed up and played for Dan Quinn for the rest of the year. Oh, but yeah. Doug Marone 
the Jags were miserable. They were a hot mess down the stretch, which is the complete opposite, which makes me seem like the locker room was gone. But uh, all right. If you guys don't mind, it's now my Dr. Melfi session. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm not going to take up too much time. OK, because at least Pat Shermer is gone. He was a terrible coach. He needed to be fired. But somehow Dave Gettleman, that fucking rat, worm, fat fuck survived. And I don't know how it happened. And if I can give a, a, a little analogy, I was rewatching Narcos recently. <laughs> and in the very first, I think it's the very first episode, they talk about a guy named Cockroach and how they say in a nuclear holocaust, the only thing that's going to survive are cockroaches. Well, Dave Gettleman is the goddamn cockroach of the Meadowlands. I don't understand how he is still there. He gave one of the most asinine press conferences that I've ever heard in my entire life. With the kicker being, we've hired four computer folk software. <laughs> that was a direct, that's not changing his words. That's not altering it. He said it in that order that they hired four computer folk software. <laughs> the I, fuck? I can't believe that I was on the record picking the Giants over win total because I think you and I nailed it at the draft how bad Gettleman was. Some of the stuff he was saying around that time was bizarre. The way that he handled that whole process with two first-round picks, he ended up taking Jones in front of everybody else. And granted, Jones looks better than most analysts said. I like Jones. Uh, I think they overpicked him, but I liked him all along. But man, I mean, just everything from April to December until that press conference, Dave Gettleman just seemed like a complete, for lack of a better word, asshole. Just a yeah. total dick. Yeah. And uh, and not good at what he's doing, clearly. The Giants are 4-12 and 12 this year. They underperformed greatly. They're really no excuse. I know the defense is really bad, but it's not like they didn't have uh, offensive talent. And I know some guys were hurt, like Barkley and Shepard. But I mean, for the most part, that, this is a talented offensive team. Um this guy hasn't he hasn't built a complete roster. There's no defensive no defensive or offensive line depth whatsoever, uh, and that secondary there is just awful. And he's the one who's responsible for building it. You said it best. Shermer Shermer is like a consolation prize. The real yeah you know Moby Dick would have been firing uh, Dave Gettleman because he's really the architect of all this catastrophe. Well, and it hamstrings you in terms of how you're going to move forward because what head coach wants to come in with a, a lame duck? just dead general manager who has not proven that he has any success with this franchise. You're, you're now stuck with him making the decision on your players. And for me, the biggest takeaway with Gettleman is the dead cap money. This guy just burns cap money on guys that he cuts. Like the, the Odell Beckham thing was so mismanaged. You gave him the biggest contract extension for a wide receiver ever just to trade him, have all that dead money. Then the whole stuff with Eli, like what they gave him a $23 million extension to, to ride the bench. Like it, there's just so many things. And I'm not going to go down that whole rabbit hole because that that's not this point of this podcast, but no, but I think we can make it useful for our, our listeners here. It's, it's January. Uh, I don't know. I just said January 3rd earlier, but it's actually January 2nd. I'm a day ahead. January 2nd, 2020, we can use some of this knowledge to bet against teams. The giants are poorly built. Yeah. F- fade them next year. If you're listening to this podcast, bet this under on season wins, bet anything that you want under on giants, because clearly you just said it best. It's a dead man walking as GM. There's no, there's nothing there. I'd go two steps further. You, we just pointed out Marone as a dead man in Jacksonville. Bet under there and look to fade Chicago. I cannot believe that this re- team is retaining not only Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, but they're also retaining Mitch Trubisky as a starting quarterback. 
how did none of these teams want to make changes after this year? It was an utter disaster for all three. I'm going to be fading Bears and Jaguars as I did at the beginning of 2019. I was on the Giants over uh, at the beginning of this season. I'm going to be on the under heading into next season. Those are three teams where January of 2020, I'm already looking forward to August of 2020 (laughs) because I got three best bets early, early. Well, that's a perfect segue because Mr. Model, uh, what we did preseason was we did a few uh, team over under wins. And we really prided ourselves on being prognosticators that we could pick these things for winners. So let's do a little fun exercise here. And let's uh, look back at some of the picks we made and see how accountable we were. Is it a fun yep. exercise or is this more like a death march? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> All right. So we did 10 total. We did five that we spent more time on and five that we did rapid fire. The first one was New York Giants over six. You both took them over six. I took them under six. I ended up winning that one, and we uh, just alluded to it a little bit. I still want to put the salt in the wounds, so what do you think? Yeah. That was I good by you. I completely <laughs> missed how bad the Giants' defense was. I was yeah. much I was much more on the fact that uh, when Jones came in, the team would play highly motivated because they didn't need a top pick. But as the season progressed and they put Jones in, I think that analysis was right. They don't need a tank because they have a franchise quarterback. However, they need a franchise defensive player like Chase Young, and so – they are so bereft of talent on the defensive side of the ball that they actually need another top pick. So I think that's where I was wrong is that I thought the giants with Barkley and Jones would have enough momentum to not shoot for an under, but uh, clearly their, their defense was so flawed that they, they couldn't help themselves and get to yeah. four wins. I, I thought it was more just going to be with Saquon Barkley taking the next step. I mean, the guy that, that guy should have had the exact same season as a Christian McCaffrey. Like there's no reason he's not catching 80. Well, that's, to 100 why, Shermer, that's why Shermer gets fired. Right. And, 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 and quite frankly, Freddie kitchens. And, and this is also a good reason for why Matt uh, Nagy should have been fired as well. I mean, if you can't utilize guys like Saquon Barkley and Nick Chubb, get the fuck out of the NFL period. Yeah. I mean, I'm watching that week 17 with Chubb on one of my fantasy teams, and I need Chubb to destroy the worst run defense in the league, and he gets 40 yards. Kitchen just doesn't know how to call plays. Neither did Shermer. It was a disaster. I can't believe that you and I were stuck picking you over here. The model must feel great. The yeah. under six, I'm, I'm looking at under six with a W on it, and I was like, God, I wish I had my, <laughs> my name attached to that too. I can't believe it. Yeah, so let's go to the next one. So that was one win for me. Uh, the next one we had Denver over seven. Uh, this ended up as a push for everyone. You guys had taken over seven. I took under seven and they landed at exactly seven. How about those Broncos? I would love to know how many teams hit their win total. Exactly. How well Vegas is at this. I am willing to bet that it's probably at least eight teams. Uh, but yeah, I think this is a moral victory for the over because not only the, the Broncos somehow managed to hit seven when it looked unattainable in November, this team also lost a bajillion close games. I mean, they have the heartbreaker in Minnesota, they had the heartbreaker in Indianapolis. They lost at home to Jacksonville and Chicago in just the most catastrophically tragic ways. This team should have at least had eight wins, if not nine. Uh, so I'm taking this as a moral victory. I know it's a push, but I mean, in my head and as a Bronco fan, I think of this team as more than just a seven win team. They could have easily got to eight if it wasn't for some bad refereeing. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, that the the was it the Colts game? That was the really the, the huge. They had the hold, in the, yeah, hold in the end zone and, and Brissett. Uh, you know, Derek Wolf gets held in the end zone would have been a safety easily. And Brissett throws it to T Y Hilton. They go on a drive, kick a field goal and win the game 15, 13. But yeah. There was also 
there was a roughing the passer on Mitch Trubisky that extended the drive that got them that game winning field goal. That was bullshit. And then uh, Gardner Minshew, they had an extended drive with a bullshit penalty uh, in that game that Denver was crushing them the whole game. And Minshew somehow led them for a comeback. I mean, all of those games were complete bullshit. And let's not forget, they also had a 20 zero lead over Minnesota that they blew. That one, I'll admit as a fan, is not bullshit. Minnesota beat us fair and square. But yeah. they also had the ball inside the 10 yard line and had four plays at 50 seconds and couldn't score. So, I mean, we had an opportunity there. Yeah. And I think uh, if, if you're a Broncos fan, there's reason for optimism. You know, it looks like Drew Locke is a, is a good quarterback. Vic Vangio, he struggled a little bit, seemed like at the earlier part of the season, but he really figured that out. That defense started playing better. If you're a Broncos fan, you've got optimism for next year. Seven there, uh, I, you know, would have liked to seen that hit over. But like you said, a couple of hard breaks there. We'll take a push based on how badly I've done with the rest of these other teams. <laughs> I think they overachieved them. I had five teams that overachieved, even though they were more relative pushes to their number. And we're going to get to the next one in a second here, but the overachievers without overachieving list is the Broncos, Cardinals, Dolphins, Redskins, and Raiders. All those teams were pretty much exactly around where Vegas thought they were going to be. But if you actually look at their seasons, Broncos competitive, Arizona, wildly more competitive than I could have imagined. Dolphins, most competitive team in football, can't say enough things about the job that Flores has done in Miami. I'd give him that coach of the year. Honestly, what he did week 17, speaking of things we missed in the intro. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 16 point underdogs. They go into new England and went straight up gambling. (laughs) 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 I love it. And then the Redskins and Raiders again, uh, pretty much exactly where Vegas had their expectations, but Raiders looked good at very points of the season and the Redskins competitive with an interim head coach and with a horrible quarterback. I mean, Haskins is, God awful in my opinion, and they still were competing against teams and playing hard, even though they had nothing to play for. So those are the teams. And I know Arizona's on our win total list, so we can just hit that one right now. Yep. So all three of us were on the same page for this one. So we had Arizona over five. All three of us took them under five at plus one twenty-five. And this ended up as a push. They unfortunately tied, or fortunately for them, tied earlier in the year. Was that week one or week two? That was week one. That was a real start to this NFL season, if you think (laughs) about it. It kind of serves as a metaphor. We have all these coaches that we just went over, Atlanta, Detroit, Jacksonville, retaining their coaches after terribly mediocre years. Week one was the terrible mediocre game of the century. That tie was, uh, was awful. What a terrible start to the season. And you think about that team, though, they, they were in a lot of games late in the season, too. I mean, that 49ers game, they were in when they were in San Fran. I mean, they, they were a competitive team. I think if you're looking at that Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray experience, uh, you, you got to say that that was a positive first you year. Got to be happy with it. Yeah. I mean, not, not to mention they had the strangest non-injury situation in the entire league with David Johnson. I mean, you're talking about a guy, a Pro Bowl guy, a guy who's making $50 million a year. All of a sudden, he's just relegated to the bench. I can't think of another guy this season who was a pro bowler who got benched just straight up like that. Can you guys think of someone? I'm sure there is another example, but I mean, man, the David Johnson thing stands out to me. Cause it's like, if they just had started the year with Kenyon Drake, this team probably got to six or seven wins. He was yeah. a revelation for them. Uh, Johnson don't know what really happened there, but don't pick him in fantasy next year, folks. And I mean, obviously they need help uh, in a lot of areas to improve, but if you're looking at a team like them with a high draft pick and you're looking at someone like, Jerry Judy or, you know, one of those explosive wide receivers that could be this sitting at there with, with Uh, with Kyler Murray. (laughs) I saw a mock draft that had Jerry Jerry Judy somehow falling to my Broncos. That That gets me me excited for April. 
<laughs> oh man, give me the best player in college football at 14th overall. I love when that kind of stuff happens. Yeah. All right, so that's two pushes in a row. All right, next one we had the New York Football Jets. We had them over seven and a half minus 120. You guys had both taken them over seven and a half. That was a loss. I took them under seven and a half. That was a win. Why aren't you guys on my side? Col- Come on. Well, yeah, Coulter, what are we doing with these New York fucking football teams, man? We're just we're over well, the, over uh, valuing them. Well, this one was a Sam Darnold missed five games with mono. And by the way, let the listeners know. I, I texted you guys just like ten minutes before we started. But stat of the year is that I was fourteen and two betting on the Jets this year. Fourteen and two. That is truly remarkable. I'll take the loss on the overwind total all year long. If I'm 14 and two betting a team all year, I, I don't know how that even happened. Uh, but kudos to the jets for being my team of the year. <laughs> Go figure. And your boy, Adam Gase, who you've been shitting on all year is just your go-to betting guy. <laughs> I know. Well, you know what it is, is at the end of the year to the point here with the over under, I think I said it a few times on the podcast, so our listeners will remember, you know, they were underdogs in these games. And I was thinking, you know, Vegas had this team at seven and a half wins. They're going to get closer to that total than people think. And so they won a couple games that they really shouldn't have. And honestly, this should have gone over for you and I, man, they played the Bengals and lost straight up. They easily should have been an eight and eight team. If they weren't dicking around partying after that Raiders win, this is an eight and eight jets team. Yep. Uh, and the Darnold, uh, sickness aside this this team easily could have done that with a, a Bengals game as a surefire victory i thought and last thing before we move off the jets here uh the press conference with gase talking about Le'Veon bell i mean is just so bizarre so if anyone isn't familiar with that they basically asked Le- they asked adam gase like what he thinks if Le'Veon bell will be the running back next year and he basically was like he's under contract for three years and then they asked the follow-up questions like, well, how do you envision him using him or not? And basically Gates just goes, talk to Joe. He's our general manager. It's like, dude, wow. what the fuck is going on with that relationship? <laughs> yeah, Gates has always been really prickly with the media. I don't know what he thinks he is or is getting out of that. But in New York, when you act like that, you're only going to get a bad reputation. And I mean, we just said this with Gettleman, lame duck. I mean, Adam Gase earned uh you know they played well down the stretch so i don't think he deserved to be fired but i mean i think he's a lame duck just like matt Nagy or doug marone i mean this guy i don't get why he thinks he's so good i mean the, the attitude between him and matt Nagy, you are not god's gift to green earth let me just uh, play that play that clip for both of them send it to them on twitter they are not god's gift to green earth stop acting like you are they act like children in these press conferences it's really atrocious trying to pull a bill belichick uh, yeah. <laughs> press conference style. Win, win a few Super Bowls before you try to act. There you go. I, I just, there you go. Not to mention, Bell is the key. Talk about not realizing your situation. There's only one way that this team plays better next year, and that's Bell becoming the player that he was in Pittsburgh. I mean, this is the guy who is the key to unlocking this offense. It could be a 10 win team next year with him and Darnold and those receivers, or they could be seven win team again, or even less. So, I mean, Bell is so crucial to this team. And the fact that Gase can't even see that, it says it all. Yeah. Okay. Our last one that we went in depth, this was Oakland over six plus plus one fifteen. All three of us, again, were on the same page here. We all liked the under six and that ended up being wrong. How were we so off on those Gruden's Raiders? This to me is such a, uh, this is the biggest overachievement of the year. I mean, they, uh, they were building, they had three draft picks in the first round. I think they had signs to show improvement for this upcoming year. But they overplayed this year. I mean, that that team should not have been a seven win team. They should not have been competing for the playoffs. 
they just got, I wouldn't say lucky, but Josh Jacobs ended up being one of the best players from the draft this year and had an instant impact. But I think they're still not ready. And I'm, I'm shocked that this, this went over. Yeah. And it went over pretty easily too. Let's not forget that this is a team that lost five of its last six games. Uh, you know, they were a playoff contender at some point and then they went to the Meadowlands and play the jets and got steamrolled. And then after then the wheels just came off the bus. They couldn't even manage to beat that crappy, crappy Jacksonville team three weeks ago. Uh, yeah. How did it go over? I think you hit the nail on the head. They, they did a good job of their drafting. Uh, Gruden is a good coach, a good motivator. And I think most importantly and distinctively, they played in a division with arguably the team that had the biggest or not arguably the biggest drop off in pro football was the Los Angeles chargers from 12 to five wins this year. The chiefs or the, sorry, excuse me, the Raiders picked up those two wins. Uh, and that's really the difference maker in the over under, I think. Right. Yeah. That jets game, go figure. <laughs> that was the one that really broke their back. They never came back after that. Uh, they beat the chargers one more time a couple weeks ago, but they really were not the same team after that. Jacob's, was in and out of with injuries and, and, and car at the end of the day with them too, is it's like Mitch Trubisky. It's like, how long are you going to keep committing to this guy? I mean, he's a capable quarterback. Mitch won eight games this year. Derek Carr won seven, but these guys are never going to do what Lamar Jackson did for the Ravens this year, or even what Jimmy Garoppolo did in San Francisco. They're never going to take these teams on a 13 and three ride. I just don't see it ever happening. Yeah. I, I would be surprised if they draft the quarterback this year. Just to, they have enough picks, too. They, yeah. they have an extra Cleo Mack pick. It's like, what a better way to redeem that horrible trade than to try to get a guy who can be, you know, who can ignite the franchise in an exciting way, whether it be Jake Fromm from Georgia or Justin Herbert from Oregon. I, I don't know who will be available for him, but I, I definitely think they have to go quarterback. Yeah. All right, Mr. Model, you want to take us quickly through the rapid fire? Yes, let's do the next five pretty fast. The first one was a win for all three of us. New England over 11. They landed with 12 wins, even though their season seemed a little bit down. Second one was a win again for you and Coulter. I must have stayed out of this one. You guys had Jacksonville under eight. That came through rather nicely. You guys were probably fading Marone uh, and those Jaguars. My favorite preseason play and my, probably one of my only winners other than new England was this Jacksonville. one. I, I it, it makes me feel a little bit better about the giants t- terrible giants pick. <laughs> yeah. I like that third one, Houston uh, eight and a half. All three of us were on the same page under eight and a half. And that was a loss for this. The Houston Texan team played much better and actually went against my coaching uh, pick that Bill O'Brien was going to be one of the ones fired this year. That did not come to fruition either. So that was way off on those Texans. And classic Texans, they're playing the Saturday 430 game on the playoffs. Like that is like their time slot. <laughs> they, yeah, they booked they booked that last year, I think. Yeah. They've, had, they've had they've had those travel plans for a year, like old people do. <laughs> <laughs> Book a year in advance. Uh, the fourth one, Philadelphia over nine and a half. All three of us had taken them over nine and a half, and that came out to be a big loss for all three of us. We did not see the injuries that that team sustained happening at all. And I think that's probably one of the big reasons what happened there. You got to you got to read the odds, too. I mean, this is t- the Giants one is my least favorite just because of how bad they looked uh, and how unsettling it was from the very opening game of the year. But this Philly one is terrible from a gambling perspective. We almost bet this team's over at minus or we bet it at one minus 180. I mean, that's almost minus 200. That is inexcusable. You should absolutely listeners never, ever, 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 ever bet a minus 180 
season win total at the beginning of the year. Just do not do it. It's stupid. It's a bad investment of money. The odds are terrible. Just do not do it. Uh, either look the other way or, or just don't play it. And so that's the lesson there. That was just a terrible play from a gambling standpoint. I can't believe they even got to nine though, which is shocking. <laughs> they, they played great at the end of the year and credit yeah. to uh, Doug Peterson and his yeah. staff. All right. The last one out of rapid fire, Baltimore over eight and a half culture and myself were both totally off on this one. We had taken them under eight and a half Ryan, you had taken them over eight and a half. And this was a team that finished with 14 wins, not even close. Good job by you. Yeah. This is the one thing I'm hanging my hat on here with all of these over-unders. I I felt strongly about Baltimore, clearly not this strongly, uh, but I did think that they were going to have a good year. So I'm very pleased that I hit that one. Yeah, I, I I hate the fact that I didn't have. I was looking at my uh, preseason AFC picks, and I actually had four of the six teams. I had ten, Tennessee, Houston, Kansas City, and New England, and I just whiffed horrifically on Baltimore. I thought Pittsburgh and Cleveland were both going to be better than them. So one of my worst picks, in addition to the Giants and Eagles, was going under here. I did not think that they could they could play from behind, and it turns out they didn't really need to because they had the best offense in football. <laughs> Okay, do you guys want to flip quickly over to some preseason bets that we had for individual players? Yes. Let's start with uh, most regular season passing touchdowns. Uh, Ryan, you had taken Mahomes at plus 350. I had taken Matt Ryan at plus 800. Both of those guys finished with 26 touchdowns. The winner, the most touchdown passes for this year was Lamar Jackson with 30 freaking six. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you would have thought he'd have accounted for a lot of touchdowns with the running touchdowns, but never in my wildest dreams did I think he would have that many passing touchdowns. It's nuts. And I still don't hate my pick of Mahomes. I mean, obviously he was the favorite at plus 350. He missed some time. He got hurt. So if he's healthy, he makes a run for that. But man, what a year for Lamar Jackson. That's really all I can say. It's a phenomenal year. All right. The second one, most regular season receiving touchdowns. I had taken Calvin Ridley at plus 3,300. You had taken Devonte Adams at plus 900. And then you had put a second pick in here of uh, Kelsey at plus 1400. Uh, Adams and Kelsey both finished with five TDs. Ridley finished with seven touchdowns. And then the winner for this year was Galladay on Detroit with 11 freaking touchdowns. That came out of nowhere too. From like four games with David Blah throwing him the ball too, which is kind of crazy. Um, for me, this is two of my biggest disappointments, Devonte Adams and Travis Kelsey. Okay. They're both on my fantasy squads in some capacity. The fact that Devonte Adams was a touchdown machine the past three years and that he only got five this year is crazy, especially given the fact that the, the fucking Packers were so good. And Aaron Rodgers was healthy most of the year. It's not like he got impacted negatively with a QB injury. Yeah. I think what, I think one of the takeaways from this though is, is a most importantly for people listening, don't bet on these things in the preseason because B most important, this is a injury dependent thing. As I, I touched on with the lions earlier, Galladay is the leader here just by process of elimination. They had no Johnson, no Hawkinson, no Jones. This is a team that, and no Stafford. This is a walking wounded team. They had no option, but to just funnel the ball to Galladay. Whereas Calvin Ridley and Devonte Adams were playing in offenses that were a lot more balanced. Same thing with Travis Kelsey. 
these things are crap shoots. That's the, the bottom yeah. line for the listener is if you're going to put money into it, make it a small, small amount. Do not bet a lot of money on these things in the beginning of the year. Yeah. They're such crap shoots. Treat these as like a scratch off ticket. You put a dollar in a machine, maybe you win some money. <laughs> right. And take the long shots. I mean, you're looking at it right now. Galladay and Lamar Jackson, those were easily over 30, uh, you know, 30 to one odds. I guarantee both of those were. Yeah. So as you just said, scratch off $1 on the guy who's 30 to one. Right. Don't do anything different than that. I totally agree. All right. Last one we had was regular season rushing touchdowns. Ryan, you had taken Alvin Kamara at plus 1400. I took uh, Connor with Pittsburgh at plus 1800. Connor finished with four TDs. Kamara finished with five TDs. The winner was uh, Jones on Green Bay and Derek Henry on Tennessee, both with 16 rushing touchdowns this year. Phenomenal. I mean, I took Kamara just on the odds. Plus 1400 is really good for a guy like Kamara, but him having five is shocking as well. Um, I, it, it, again, just, this is the, the theme. This is a crap shoot. I guess you could say Derek Henry. Maybe you could have seen that coming. That guy is just a, a monster. He had a ton of touchdowns last year too, but Aaron Jones, I would have never figured as well. So it's but just it's a, injury, but it's a lucky cash in. If you have the yeah. Derek, if you have a Derek Henry ticket and you're going to cash it in Vegas, you're, you're counting your lucky stars. The guy had three rushing touchdowns in last week because Houston sat, it's all circumstantial, just like the passing thing. It's like, Derek Henry, congratulations for the 16 rushing touchdowns, but like he wasn't the leader for the longest period of time and got totally lucky that Houston sat all of its starters in the last week. Yeah. It's, I mean, imagine if you had Aaron Jones and you were sitting on that ticket all year long and then you have to share that friggin' victory with Derek Henry. I'd be, I'd be furious. <laughs> uh, all right. So why don't we, before we take a look at this weekend's playoff games, uh, let's wrap up our contest that we were hosting because I have a few points that I'd like to bring to everyone's attention. So Mr. Model, if you'd like to go through our week 17 picks, let's, let's go right there. All right, let's do it. So this was a, uh, something we were doing all year. We were picking a key game and a regular season game. Let's talk about last week's results before we go to the overall standings. Uh, Myself and Coulter both went 0-2 in last week's picks. Ryan, key pick Cazalet, came through yet again. You went 1-1. So for the picks last week, Coulter, your regular pick was Indianapolis minus 4 over Jacksonville. That was a loss. Houston plus 4 over Tennessee. That was a loss. But you did flip that, I know, in our competition and got that right. So good job by you. Yeah, that was a contingent best bet on, on the chiefs game. And as the week progressed, it just looked more and more that the chiefs were going to just win that game. And so it made it kind of easy to switch over to Tennessee and that Houston was going to sit their starters based on that. And the other thing is I, I know I threw in the Bengals and fading Freddie kitchens one last time. So that was a winner for people that were paying attention. <laughs> that was a winner. That's right. Ryan, your regular pick was incorrect. Denver minus three and a half over Oakland. But key pick Casale came through yet again. <laughs> Kansas City minus eight over those L.A. Chargers was a win. They won by 10. Yeah, uh, I don't want to say that that was a lock. But, you know, as key pick Casale can see these things, I identified it. And I just want to say going 14 and three for your key picks is Not quite bad. outstanding. That is ridiculous. I actually wish I gambled more on myself than I actually did. Cause if I had known that I would be maybe somewhere else, like an Island right now celebrating, but hopefully the listeners were riding along. They made some bets. I was seeing the board incredibly well with my key picks. And uh, what we're going to be doing is throughout the playoffs, we're going to continue this. This is going to keep on riding. Now 
I want to just make a little caveat here that this may not carry over to the playoffs. Everyone knows that when you're hot and you're on a heater, it maybe just only applies to the regular season. I just want to say that. But also having said that, ride, key pick, Cazalet. Let's go. <laughs> All right. And I, all right. So for me, I obviously went 0 and 2. Indianapolis minus four did not come through, similar to Coulter. And then my key pick, Buffalo minus one and a half over the New York Jets. Also lost. I think what I missed, I was on vacation, so I, I didn't switch a whole lot, but I missed a lot of the starters being set. Not that that impacted Buffalo, but uh, some of the other picks I made was just not good. So are we going to continue this competition through the playoffs? That's my question to you all. <laughs> That would be a good question. Now, as the winner of the regular season challenge, my vote is that we start fresh. That's just oh. me. But hey, if you guys want to keep it going, we can keep it going. I, I'm I'm for either. Honestly, I, I don't mind doing a little playoff pool where we put in like ten bucks or something like that and just count the playoffs and see how we do. But we can figure that out when we get there. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. All right, I'm in. So let's put a bow on this right here, right now. The final standings for these regular season picks in last place, we have Coulter <laughs> with 15 points, 12 wins, and 23 losses. Ugly. Just so ironic. <laughs> that means, so that means my key pick was as bad as – as good as Kaz, <laughs> as Kaz was with his. I was equally as bad because that means I went 3-14 and 14 on the podcast doing the key pick. <laughs> just atrocious. And, and at some point in the middle of November and early December, I just got in my head and just started chalking it up to an automatic loss. <laughs> I think I, I think I was flipping on what I said on the pod. I was flipping in the pool automatically for like three or four weeks, and it won every time. It was smart. It was. It was. It was smart to fade myself here. <laughs> All right, in second place with 28 points, 18 wins, 17 losses was me. I'm not sure how I pulled that out, but I, I'm just happy that I got 18 wins, 17 losses, and tried to make this a little bit of a challenge. And in first place. Ryan key pick has 31 points, also 18 wins and 17 losses. Those key picks just absolutely carried you to victory. It's wild. And that also means that I only got four of my non key picks. Correct. Which is also crazy. Uh, it just goes to show you folks that the NFL is tough to pick, but uh, I would like to take this moment to uh, thank myself and congratulate myself on winning this. It's always nice beating Aaron in a competition. The model had been destroying me in all previous sports related contests. I only had advantages or in pop culture things. So for me to finally <laughs> beat you, it just feels great. My friend, I uh, do not get used to it. I'm ready to come roaring back into whatever sports competition we have next. All right. I like it. So we're doing 10 bucks a person here for our little playoff pool. I love it. Uh, if any listeners want to participate, maybe we can figure out a way to do that. We'll put some stuff on Twitter. If anyone wants to join in there, we can go that route, but this is a three man competition. And let's be clear. So we're going to be doing a little bit of a curveball with this playoff competition that you can either pick against the spread for a side or against the total. So you actually have a couple different options here of going the over under for the total or with the spread for these playoff games. And we're picking two games per round or what's the deal? I think let's stick with our format. So we make one non-key pick and one key pick, but it can be either spread or over under. Now there's one other question before we go right into it to iron out the rules. If we have a crossfire, how do we like, let's just say somebody likes something as best bet one or best bet two. And one of us wants to fade that person directly. Should we put that as like a minus or a minus one plus one type deal? Or should we just ignore that? Hmm. 
because it gets tricky. But then, but then it almost accounts for somebody being, you know, if, if I'm sure. bold enough to say I challenge yeah. you, it could end up being a minus one for me, and then <laughs> ends up take, taking away from a best bet potential <laughs> winner. I kind of like that. I kind of yeah, like just that as a, a wrinkle. Lot. I'm just thinking about it as I as we were talking through the rules. Yeah. I think of it as like the show in the voice where if you get like one of those override buttons that you can hit and be like, you know what, actually I am stealing that and I'm going to go against you. I think you like that. Let's get, you can get, if you want to, you can do an override and if yeah. you're correct, one, it's a bonus one, point. one per round. And if you get it, it's one point. And if you don't, yeah. it's minus one point. Yeah. So it's really, it's at your own kind of peril. Cause if you yeah. get it wrong, it's minus one. That's oh, I, I love like. it. That's yeah. the call it the sharp bet. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and we don't know if we will have that. We agreed with each other a lot, uh, probably a lot more than I even thought when we started this, but I uh, just wanted to throw that out there, seeing it as the playoffs and yeah, it's all about getting the action anyway. So it's, it's good. Okay. Who would like to go first? Well, I think Coulter, since you won the pool. Yeah, that's fine. You, you take it away. You, you start. Yeah, this is. Okay, wait. So we uh, actually let's read out the lines. I, I, yeah. Hold on, let me read out the lines to you, because I, I, we, I know there's a bunch of lines. I think the lines changing a little bit here, but we're gonna use these lines here. So, uh, the Saturday games, we've got um, the Bills are at the Texans. The line is currently two and a half. The Texans are favored two and a half, with the over under being forty three. The second game that day is the Titans are at the Patriots. The Patriots are a five-point favorite with the over-under being 44. And then on Sunday, we've got the Vikings at the Saints. The Saints are a seven-and-a-half-point favorite with the over-under being 49. And then the last one is the Seahawks are at Philadelphia. The Seahawks are a one-and-a-half-point favorite with the over-under being 45-and-a-half. So take it away, Coulter. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> I, I can't even believe I'm going to go with this one, but I call this the Aldo Rain pick because we hear a story that's too good to be true. It ain't. And this is for the listeners. Please, for the love of God, do not bet your Christmas money on a New Orleans, New England money line parlay. Why? Because everybody else in America is betting New England, New Orleans money line parlay is not a good bet. You think it's a good bet. It is not. It's too good to be true. It ain't. Remember Aldo Rain's words when you're lining up at the ticket window this week. Don't get <laughs> tempted. Do not get seduced by the evil, evil bookies. With all that said, best bet number one is going to be the Titans plus five. You don't, you don't, you don't make money betting against New England on the money line in the playoffs. I will admit that. So I'm not going to bet Titans money line, but I love the points. I love the points. Tennessee's offense is currently ranked sixth in the NFL. They had six games of Marcus Mariota weighing down their stats, and they're still ranked that high. This is a team that is playing hot right now. This is, and they're playing against New England, a deflated fan base. This home crowd is going to get tight. If New England falls down at even by three points in this game, those fans are going to go quiet. Trust me, I've seen it before. This is not. A, this is not a Green Bay. This is not a New Orleans. This is a weak home crowd. They, they're only good at home because their players and their coach are good. It's not because of their fans. I want to point that out and make that an emphasis. This is not a tough place to play. It is only a tough place to play because you're going against Belichick and Brady, not because of their fans. Tennessee ran all over the Patriots last year, 34, 13. 
Belichick has not been able to make adjustments at halftime this year. This is a terrible team when it comes to making adjustments at half. This is usually used to be their bread and butter. This is how Belichick won six Super Bowls. For some reason, this guy cannot get out of his own way in the locker room at halftime. I don't know what is going on in New England, but they have not been able to change anything schematically to make it work when they're falling behind games against Kansas City and Baltimore. Definitely stand out to me. Uh, on offense, we've gone over their offensive woes. This is an Edelman or bust team right now. If they don't have Edelman, who I think is actually hurt, this offense could be really, really bad. And then lastly, on the other side of the field, then this is why I love the plus five. How good is A.J. Brown? It is a gigantic question. I know Stefan Gilmore is on New England. I know he has the potential to shut down A.J. Brown. But I just – I can't I'm, – I'm blind. I'm blindly in love with this A.J. Brown guy. I think he's the next Terrell Owens. He is a – lightning rod of a player and if he can break out and have six catches for 100 yards tennessee will win the game straight up i'll gladly take the points vegas is making a statement by not making this a full touchdown and naturally of course the public is gravitating towards that low line 60 percent of bets are already on new england and as, as i mentioned the money line parlay either new orleans or new england is going down straight up that's my bold prediction of the week i'll take the points right now with tennessee i'm not going to bet the tennessee money line but i will take the points Plus five. Anyone want to challenge? Anyone want to challenge me with a plus one? <laughs> <laughs> but I got two takers. I love it. <laughs> Go ahead, Mr. Model. All right. So this one for me is going to be my key pick of the week, and I am taking New England minus five <laughs> over Tennessee. Right. I love it. Nothing I'm gonna, better than a little head to head. This is one that I had circled on my uh, on my schedule this week. I love New England in this spot. I think there's a redemption coming after that tough loss over Miami. You know, I'm going to I'm going to ride with the public. I'm going to go against everything that you said. I'm going to hope that New England offense can start clicking. One of the people I respect and follow on Twitter is Rufus Peabody. He puts out some NFL ratings. He has this game as a seven point and a New England win. So to me. The, some of the analytics, because I don't run my own for NFL, at least not right now, um, line up there nicely. So I'm going to jump on this. I'm going to make this my key pick for the week. New England minus five. Let's go. Now, do you want to challenge? And you can make that a potential three point pick if you that challenge. That could be a three point pick. I mean, you I might as well. I absolutely would love to do that. Yes. <laughs> I'm also going to give our listeners a complete freebie, um, a freebie bet here under in this game this these are the two worst kicking teams in the nfl 44 and a half the tennessee titans are eight field goals on the season eight 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 i'm not even kidding and we all know the new england problems um so what what is there to say other than this is this is an under uh special i think the weather's gonna be terrible these two teams can't kick i I do like the under there yeah uh i Man, you got balls, Coulter, because picking against Brady and Belichick at home in a playoff game is just unheard of. Um, I well, I'm, do not picking, like, I'm not picking against them on the money line. I'm just yeah, taking yeah. the points yeah, because points. I yeah. think that it's it's value play. Yeah. Um, their offense, we've talked about it ad nauseum over the last few weeks, is really struggling. There's just something about this, though. I, I feel like not a trap bet because that's definitely not the right word, but – I feel like you're looking at something where New England is going to make a statement. They're going to have to come back at least somewhere. So I, I think I got to take the Patriots, but I'm not going to. That's not part of my picks here. <laughs> All 
All right, Casley, why don't you go next since this was my key pick for this week? So Coulter has one regular Tennessee plus five, my key pick, New England minus five. What's your first regular pick? Okay, my first regular pick is going to be something that if you looked at this game three weeks ago, this line was minus six and a half. And I am taking the Seattle Seahawks on the road minus one and a half. I just I can't find any way where Seattle doesn't win this by six. I think this is a blowout. Philly is playing hot. I've, I will give them that. Carson Wentz has stepped up his game. He's he, you know he actually is showing me things that I didn't think he had. But if you are going to tell me that this game comes down to Carson Wentz versus Russell Wilson, I'm taking Russell all the way. I just think there's a mismatch. Now, Seattle can't come from behind. So their big thing is they're going to have to jump out here and they're going to have to score some points off the bat. But I think they can do that against Philly. Philly's defense is depleted. Their offense is really depleted. So I like Seattle in this game. Yeah, you got full agreement from here. You get the... You get the better quarterback, better locker room. Clowney versus the Eagles offensive line might be the biggest mismatch of the weekend. Strength of schedule is an edge for Seattle. Uh, divisional opponents is a huge advantage for Seattle. Um, the momentum favors the Eagles, but, uh, you know, I, I just I, there's no reason to really take uh, Philadelphia other than the fact that they're playing hot right now. And if you really think about it, are they playing hot? They beat the Redskins, Giants twice, Cowboys with Dak right. Hurt. Right. Um, Quite frankly, too, you know, I, this gets me in trouble whenever you try to project. And this would be one of my other warnings to the the listener. Don't bet on the New Orleans and, and New England money line parlay, but also be afraid of this logic that I'm about to spew. I, I do think the NFL wants Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch to play next weekend. That yeah. that that sells tickets. That sells the ratings. Um whether they're playing against Aaron Rodgers or they're playing against San Francisco in a rematch, I think either of those games are great for the NFL, and that's a home run spot. Uh, uh, so yeah, I, I'm going to take Seattle here. I just I, you can't take a, a, a team that won the worst division in football. You can't bet them on Wild Card Weekend. That's the Eagles. They they won in the weakest division. Arguably, shouldn't be a playoff team. Uh, they got in because of their division, uh, not because of they actually deserve to be there. I think and that's Seattle, an important distinction. Let's not forget they took a delay game penalty on the half yard line. If they don't take that and they score the touchdown, they win the division. They're a two seed. They got the bye. You well, know, my my one fear with Seattle is this is a team that has been. I think they're plus minus on the season, and this is almost as shocking as the eight field goals or Tennessee. Take a stab at what you think Seattle's plus minus is on the season. Fifty. It's seven. Whoa. Wow. So, I mean, this is not a team that's been blowing out people. And, uh, you know, and I'm going to get to this in my best bet here in a second. Uh, but equally concerning is how they just got completely shut down by Arizona uh, two weeks ago. That, But I'm going to go with Seattle. But I just wanted to create some of the uh, the reasons why, you know, you you maybe want to either stay away or don't bet on Seattle. But, that I mean, I'm going to go with Seattle. Uh, it's too many reasons not to. But those are just some of the points to to consider. Okay, fair enough. Uh, all right, Colter, give us your key pick then. Yeah, you know, you guys are being nice enough and generous to allow me to do the key pick with a total. And as I just referenced, it's going to be that Philadelphia and Seattle game, uh, 45 and a half. I, I'm stunned that this isn't the lowest total of all three of these. I mean, let's just go over this. The Seattle Seahawks are missing a Pro Bowl center. The Eagles are missing a Pro Bowl guard. 
those are two of the best offensive linemen that are playing in this game, both out before we even get to the weekend. Seattle's missing three running backs. Philadelphia is missing two running backs. Philadelphia is missing three receivers. Philadelphia is missing their tight end. I mean, how do you expect these teams to score points? Not to mention, this is a Philadelphia team that knows one thing and one thing only. If they're going to advance, they're going to have to play Seattle tight. This game's going to have to be just like the first week or the first time that they played a couple weeks ago. What was that final? 17 to 10? There's yep. only one way of see that Philadelphia wins this game, and it's not winning this game in a blowout fashion or by some in some sort of shootout. This is a team that they're going to play a very tight defensive game. They're, and, and another key point is their front seven is one of the best in football, very good against the run. And Seattle's front seven, I think, is actually pretty good too. Um, I don't know. I, I, I love the under here. I, I don't understand how it's 45 and a half. I look at the Houston and Buffalo one, and I think these are the, the two totals should be flipped. This should be 42, and the Houston game should be 45. Houston's defense is atrocious, whereas Seattle and Philly at least have – uh, I know Philadelphia's secondary has been pretty poor, but at least, I mean, Philadelphia's got Fletcher Cox, arguably defensive MVP candidate, and Seattle's got Bobby Wagner and Clowney. I don't know. There's a lot of defensive talent in this game to think that 45 and a half in a cold uh, January game where the Eagles are going to be holding on to dear life and Seattle can't run at all. Um, I, I love the under. I, I, quite frankly, I'd take it at 41. I mean, I can't believe it's at 45. Best wow. part of the week. Wow. Mr. Model? I do not have an opinion on this game. I I buy into the idea that this is going to be close and uh, possibly go low. So I certainly like that. But to me, the Seattle-Philadelphia game, I threw up a little bit in my mouth just with all the injuries <laughs> on both sides of the ball. So this would be a total stay away from me on just in general. Okay. Uh, I'm with you, Coulter. I think this is low scoring. The running back situation for Seattle is the biggest concern for me. I know Lynch is back, but he didn't get a ton of carries. Let's be honest. He can't be in that great a shape right now. No. Uh, the injuries all across Philly is is obviously huge. I don't even is, – is Ertz playing? I mean – that was That's my that's my biggest thing. I mean, keep monitoring the situation if yeah. you want to play this under and maybe you want to wait until he's ruled out. However, I think at peak value right now, 45 and a half, they don't know of Ertz. And so you're kind of gambling on him not playing. I think when yeah. he gets out, I think this drops at least a point, if not a yep. point and a half. And that, I think that's a crucial distinction here. I agree. So I'm with you there. Uh, I think this is going to be a low scoring game. So let's keep oh, an eye I, on that one. And as I pointed out in the previous handicap, when you were talking Seattle, their receivers got blanketed by Arizona. You'd argue if you look at the skill position players and Ertz is out, the two best skill position players in this game are Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. They had one catch combined against a Pathetic Arizona secondary two weeks ago at home at home. Yeah. Yeah. Take the under it, it's too obvious. And Wentz is playing in his first playoff game against Seattle of all teams. I mean, it's not a good spot for either offense. I think I agree. Okay. Mr. Model, you gave us your key pick of new England. Who is your non key pick? Yeah. I've just been wrestling with this, trying to go back and forth. I think I'm an audible. I think I'm going to go with something a little new here. I'm going to still take a side. So I'm going to take, Houston minus two and a half over the Buffalo bills. Um, to me, this is probably more of a value pick. I like the two and a half for sure that they only have to win by uh, a field goal or more. It's also, you know, both quarterbacks are pretty dynamic runners, but to me, Deshaun Watson is just the better passer in general. Plus he has some more weapons at his disposal with the receiving core. I also like to think, I think Houston's defense is going to have a tough time with Singletary stopping the run with Buffalo, but I think they'll do a little bit better against the pass. 
if Houston can get out to a lead here, I think they can cruise a little bit and uh, waste some clock. I will take Houston minus two and a half as my regular pick this week. What do you think? Model, I think you're going to want to change that to your best bet because I have the stat of the week. And you're going to, you guys are going to wonder why I didn't choose this as my best bet, but it's only because the line is so fishy. I don't understand the line here. This is the biggest discrepancy in playoff history in terms of strength of schedule. Houston currently ranks fifth in the NFL in strength of schedule. Buffalo, 28. Wow. So remember, so remember that when you're playing uh, on, on Saturday, when you're, when you're looking at Buffalo, not to mention, I think we, we talked about it before we started the pot. Everybody and their mother is blowing Buffalo this weekend. I don't understand it. Uh, that strength of schedule stat alone is enough for me to stay off the bills. Um, if you're going to want to bet the, if you want to bet the bills, you have to pray to Mary and Joseph that this game gets to three and a half. Cause I think you hit the nail on the head model with, uh, the, the line right now is Houston or do not play it. You cannot bet Buffalo at plus two and a half. There's no value there. There there's, that is called a non-value bet in sports betting. You have to get them at least at a, at a field goal at the very least. And to make it actually a bet on Buffalo, it has to be three and a half. You cannot bet Buffalo at two and a half. Do not do it. Yeah, I completely agree. I, uh, I was, if this was three and a half, I'm betting Buffalo. I actually, I think Buffalo has a chance to win this game outright. Um, I'm just not willing to do that at the two and a half spread line there. Uh, that strength of schedule number that's shocking to me. I had no clue it was that big of a difference, but something about Buffalo, like you said, Coulter, people are on them. I think it was the, the game against the Patriots a couple weeks ago. They showed some scrappiness. Their defense is filthy. Uh, but what it comes down to is, are we trusting Bill O'Brien here? And, I am not, I'm not <laughs> you know, willing to do that. <laughs> you know, I completely forgot about Bill O'Brien in that whole rant. You yeah. know, I put down in my notes a uh, huge coaching advantage for Buffalo. And so I think yeah. that's why people are on them. And I, when I first saw it, I looked at Buffalo and said, Buffalo is my pick. But I, I think as the model highlighted, it, the spread is why I want to lean towards Houston here. Yeah. It's, you know, you can go all the reasons for betting Buffalo. Better coach, hungry franchise. They haven't won since the mid-90s. Um, Houston's offensive line is a question mark, but at the end of the day, that strength of schedule stat and the fact that they're playing Josh Allen in his first playoff game, it's Houston or don't play it for me at two and a half. You have to play Houston or don't bet it. If it gets to three, maybe you want to look at Buffalo. I wouldn't, if it's a three and a half, that's when you start looking at Buffalo. I think. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. Okay, folks. It is that time. It is keep it casually time. The real question uh, actually, is, am I going to challenge you here? <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling you might be challenging me here. I've uh, I've gone back on these twice now. I've flip-flopped. I was originally going to make this an over-under, but now I'm back on a spread. We hit on it. I am taking the Saints minus 7.5 in the Superdome. I do not trust Kirk Cousins with anything. I wouldn't trust him to cut a piece of bread open for me at a restaurant. I wouldn't trust him to do anything okay that guy in a big game is awful and i think we're gonna find that now you can tell me dalvin cook is coming back and he's gonna be healthy is he though i mean he's been banged up that's gonna make a difference that place is not an easy place to play i think the saints are going on a run i think they're gonna actually go to the super bowl seven and a half i know that half a point is big it's a that that is the only thing that i'm a little bit nervous about but I think Breeze and Peyton have got something to prove. I think this is their, their fuck you to the referees, to the NFL, 
like they're not even going to have it come down to a question where the refs might be able to change and affect this game. I think this team and that coach and that player, they're just going to come out firing. They just ended the season on a high note. They dominated Michael Thomas. Who's stopping Michael Thomas? And I know Minnesota's defense is good. I know that uh, Zimmer is a defensive coach, but they just have too many weapons and Kirk Cousins, no way am I trusting Kirk Cousins. That's my biggest reason for taking this pick. Uh, this is a, I hate to stay away from multiple games, but it's similar to the Bills, it's so tough to play this one. At the number that it currently is at eight, I want to take Minnesota because I think the line is largely, largely overinflated here. I'm not going to challenge you on it, though, because you just hit the nail on the head. Don't want to play Kirk Cousins. Don't want to bet against a uh, Saints team. You said it really just again, hit the nail on the head. This is a team that does not want this game to come down to a field goal or any sort of situation right. where let's just say Kirk cousins is dro- dropping back to pass and there's a penalty on somebody and they get the advancement to kick the field goal to tie it to go to overtime. They don't want to be in that situation at all. So um, you want to stay away from it, but like, man, can't you see this game being like a 30, 24 game and the public just gets their shit pushed in by the bookie. I'm, I'm so yeah. afraid of, I get what you're saying that it, that this Saints team is going to want to play for margin, but at the same time, it is the playoffs, and I could just see Minnesota just being close enough where they cover, but also not close enough where it's not freaking the Saints out. Um, it's a pass for me, though. I can't, I can't bet on Kirk Cousins. The line is a little overinflated, though, in my opinion. Mr. Model. Obviously, I can't challenge because I've already challenged, and nor would I. So, to me, this would be one that I am hopping on the bandwagon with you. One of the things, again, Peabody that I heard them talk about in a podcast that they put out earlier this week, they actually think that this game, I think, is a New Orleans win by nine points or maybe 10 points. So to me, the analytics kind of line up with uh, where you have landed in your narrative. I like it, too. I think they're going to be a win on this one. Uh, no questions or hesitations for me. I just I, I can't trust Kirk Cousins. That's it. I think one key factor here, too, that we didn't point out, and I don't know if you guys have seen this, but the rumor mill around the NFL is uh, that Mike Zimmer is one of the top candidates in Dallas. And I feel like that distraction is actually not going to be um, it's wow. not going to be ben- it's not going to be beneficial to that team. I did not know that. Yeah, I know he's got a history there, but that, that's interesting. Yeah. So that's an f- important factor. And I think also, you know, I mentioned it at the top with the new the New England, if Patriots win on um Saturday evening, I definitely don't want to play the Saints spread because I just there's something about that money line parlay. Every fucking sucker in America is betting that thing. You do not want to be on the wrong side of that. I'm telling you right now. And let's not forget the subline that if the Patriots lose and this dynasty is over, Bill Belichick, come home to the Giants. Come, we'll give you the keys. We'll fire Gettleman. You'll be the coach, the GM. We'll give you the ownership if you want. <laughs> wow, that now that is enticing. <laughs> Of course, it's not going to happen, but yeah. Well, all right, gentlemen, those are our picks. Uh, we've got one challenge, which I like. So this could be a big three-point swing for the model, or you could be set back big. <laughs> I, I feel like say, I'm all in on this. Yeah, this is I, like going to be either make or break. I, I feel like I might have set the model up here, but I also could be setting myself up betting against New England. So we'll see. It's an interesting one. I, I did want to put that out there, the challenge thing, because I knew – there was going to be a challenge with that uh, going against new England. I mean, I've been bad on this podcast, so maybe I'm totally off. Um, <laughs> I should also, I should also mention uh, there's been a little line movement on Seattle. They're now a two and a half point favorite. Um, I'm liking that less and less. The more it goes up, 
maybe the better thing to do is put that in a money line parlay. My money line parlay of the week, and again, I know there's no money in fading New England on the money line, but Houston, Tennessee, New Orleans, Seattle. If you put ten bucks down, you win a hundred. Houston, Tennessee, New Orleans, New Orleans and Seattle. That's not bad. I, you know, if you're looking at it from strictly the teams that are playing the best right now. I mean, I guess Seattle's not playing better than Philadelphia, but that's the the parlay would be you're just taking all the teams that are playing the best. Um, and maybe you just don't even want to put the Seattle into that. Maybe you just want to do the other three. I'm sure it pays probably pretty well too. Yeah. Um, again, you're obviously taking Tennessee, which is a huge risk, but this is a team again, they would be the, they'd be the second best offense in football if it wasn't for the Mariota weeks. I mean that you're talking about a potential juggernaut and they're getting five points at a team that can't score. They can't score the new England Patriots earth to everybody have, they've struggled to score points right now. Let's all agree that if Ryan Tannehill goes into Foxborough and beats Tom Brady straight up, we all have to do something ridiculous. <laughs> he's going to make a lot of me that GMs. Ago. Yeah. He's going to make a lot of GMs feel real stupid if he does that this week. Cause he's already making people feel bad with how he's played down the stretch here. Yep. If he can win a playoff game in his first playoff game, I should mention. And that's what really has me apprehensive about that. Cause the stats against guys who are starting their first game are, they're really bad. I don't know if yeah. you guys have seen this or not. It's seven and 26 against the spread for first time starting quarterbacks. That's Josh Allen, Carson Wentz, and Ryan Tannehill. Not a, not a good trend. Not a good trend for me backing the Titans. <laughs> All right. Well, gentlemen, that was a good episode. We got playoff football ahead of us. Best of luck to you both. I hope that you don't win your picks. Uh, key pick has late strikes again, but that is episode 63 in the books. We'll see everybody next week on double down trend. Baby, look at me, look at me. Your money, you know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.